Take your Bibles and turn with me tonight to Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah chapter 29. You know with that last song uh, that we sang, Revive Us Again. We have the revival coming up uh, at the end of the month, starting uh, October the 30th. And, uh, you know, one of the things that we do, a lot of times we sit back and we think, well, you know, we're going to we'll have this meeting come and boy, it stirs up, we'll just be revived. But can I tell you that we have to prepare for revival. Uh, we can't just walk in and, and have revival. You got to prepare for a revival, and that's what I kind of want to lay it begin tonight with, and, and maybe lay in the next few messages even uh, before the services uh, deal with that. We'll see how the Lord leads, but to, especially tonight He led that way, and it's so important for us to prepare our hearts and prepare the way of revival. Any revival that you will ever read about that truly was a revival that the Lord really come down in a powerful way. Is always preceded by something. You say, what's that, preacher? Prayer. And people seeking the Lord. And it's so needed in our day and time. You know, we can look around and we can see the, the shape of our country. We can see the shape of, and I'm getting ahead of myself here a little bit, we can see the shape of, of the church even. And, and, and I'm talking about worldwide as far as the church. I'm talking about those who are saved, who claim no Jesus Christ as their Savior. Not only that, but also... Christians' lives, as you look at what's going on in our world today and the deadness and the coldness spiritually, you may find a lot of hype in a lot of places and in some meetings where they're just, you know, just having a, uh, it seems like they're excited and all that. But you know what? You can hype people up with certain things. You can hype them up. Hey, I could hype you up tonight. Say, hey, listen, we're going to have a drawing for a brand new truck. And you get pretty excited about it, maybe. And, uh, and they'll hype people up with different things and, and just uh, even the music and stuff like that, trying to, and that's what they do at, at, at rock concerts and stuff. They hype people up and, and, and things like that. Can I tell you, that's not revival. Revival is a humbling experience. Revival is getting our hearts in tune with God. Revival is a yielding unto the Lord and seeking the Lord that we might see God do great and mighty things. It's not necessarily an evangelistic meeting. A lot of times people think of the revival as people getting saved and getting saved, a whole bunch of people. That's not necessarily revival. That is the results of revival. Okay, that is the results of revival. When the revival is really, revival is for God's people. You can't revive something that's dead. A lost person is dead. You're not reviving them. They got to be born again before they can be revived and drift away from the Lord and be revived. But you can take a Christian who's been born again, who has drifted from the Lord, may not be very far. But if you've drifted from the Lord, it's like this. The Lord talked about in, in the Old Testament about he had, he had used a plumb line and he was comparing Israel with a plumb line. You know, you can look at a lot of things and it looks like it's really straight until you take a level and put on it or you take a plumb line and you put a plumb line beside it. And it may be off just a little bit. And many times in our lives as a Christian, we need to put the, 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 the level or the plumb line of God's word on our lives and look at it from his standpoint instead of our standpoint. Uh, many times, if you've ever hung pictures, uh, you know how it is, fellas, your wife wants a picture hung or something hung on the wall and you go in there and, and you put it up there and, and you say, well, up or down. And, and, you know, and you're, you're fixing like that. And she said, well, I think it needs to go down on the right-hand side. So you drop it a little on the right-hand side. Well, no, back up just a little bit. And you go back up a little bit. Well, no, 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 no. It needs to end down on the other side. The best thing to do, fellas, is keep you a four-foot level around. Amen? 
and go in there and put the level up there and put you a couple dots and then hang that thing, amen? And then you know it's square. And then when she complains about it, it's down on one side, uh-uh, go get the level, put the level on, amen? And the thing of it is, when we look at our lives, many times we think that we're pretty square with what God's got and we're out of plumb. We're out of level. And we need to get back because we're looking through our eyes instead of God's eyes. We're needing revival in our church. They will preach things going good, church. Yes, they are, and I praise the Lord for that. But we need revival. We need revival in, in our nation. We need revival in, in the churches across the country. And, and it needs to start in our own hearts and lives. Well, Jeremiah chapter 29, if you would stand for the reading of God's Word if you're able to. Jeremiah chapter 29, we'll begin reading verse 11. It says, for I, or let's go back up verse 10. For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you in causing you to return to this place. Notice there's the word there, return. That is, that is significant in a Christian's life. We begin to drift. We need to return. We need to get back to that place of fellowship with the Lord, that closeness of a walk with the Lord. Verse 12 says, Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. Verse 13, And ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. Verse 14, and I will be found of you, saith the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity, and I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places whither I have driven you, saith the Lord, and I will bring you again into the place whence I caused you to be carried away captive. There's a place in your life and in my life that God wants us. There is a walk in your life and my life that God wants us to walk. There is a life to be lived that the Lord has designated that he wants in your life, in my life, and he wants to bring us into that place. Many times what it takes is it takes revival in our hearts and lives. It's easy. You know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how good a church. It doesn't matter how good a Christian. There is always a need of reviving and building the fire a little bit bigger and making it a little bit stronger in our own hearts and lives. The tendency of anything is to deteriorate and to go down. The tendency of anything is to stray off course a little bit. If you've ever been out in a in a boat on, a, on the water and you're headed someplace, you're continually having to correct it because of the waves and because of the wind. Can I tell you that revival is exactly that, correcting the spiritual life because of the waves and because of the winds of this world. And what is needed for us is revival to correct us and to bring us into path, into pattern with the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, let's bow for a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for loveness. Thank you for the word of God. And Lord, give me the words you'd have me speak tonight. Lord, forgive me of my sin where I failed you, Lord, even this day. Strengthen me. Use me for thy honor and thy glory. Hide me behind the cross. Help your people tonight, Lord. Strengthen us, Lord. Prepare our hearts for revival. For this I ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated. Verse 13 says, And ye shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. We need to seek the Lord for revival. I speak often, as I said before, we've talked about revival. I, I speak a lot about revival because I think it's needed. 
I talk sometimes about the old revivals, the Hebrides and the other uh, different places uh, the, in, the, in Wales and different places like that that had the great revivals. There's been great revivals in, in the United States. There's been great revivals in England. There's been great revivals in a lot of countries. Uh, one of the things that's happening, uh, I, I believe that there's a, been a, a, an ongoing, I, I don't necessarily would say that it's necessarily a wide revival. There's been a great moving in the Philippines in the past few years. And I praise the Lord for that. But I think what is needed is for us to understand that God wants to renew us, uh, renew a walk with Him. And while others look at it as an evangelistic meaning, as we said, in which souls are saved, Christians are needed to be stirred for the Lord and fall back into that place of love with the Lord. We find in many events, in seeking the Lord in our lives and in a surrender of, of our life and wills to Him in such a way that it does a great work in our life and a great work in the lives of others. You realize that if your heart gets stirred and you get on fire for God and you have a reviving in your heart line, it's going to affect somebody else. If it's another Christian, maybe it'll stir their heart that they'll desire to have what you've got and to, and to seek the Lord for that reviving and that spirit of God to work in their hearts and lives. So first of all, we must see the need that we have in our lives. Yes, we can look around, we can look at the TV, we can listen to the news, we can pick up the papers, we can, we can get on the computer, we can look at all the junk that's going on, and we can say, oh yeah, we need revival. What about our own lives? When's the last time that we looked real hard in a spiritual mirror at ourselves? Remember, I told about how that when they made that laver where they washed in for the temple uh, of God, that they made it out of women's looking glasses, which were made of a very, very fine brass. And the reason that the Lord led them to do that is because it was the finest brass and it was like a mirror. And so as the priest and the Levites, those who were taking, uh, was doing the order of the, of the temple and offering the sacrifices, they had to wash their hands in that laver. And they would come to that laver to wash themselves. And as they looked down into that laver, because of the water and because of that fine brass there, they could see a reflection of themselves. And they could say, not just is my hands clean, but what about my life? And every one of us, we need to stop. It's easy to look around us. It's easy to look at the world. It's easy to look at all the junk that's happening and say, yeah, we need revival. But my friend, you've got to look at yourself once in a while. And you've got to take an account of yourself. And you've got to get real with yourself. And you've got to quit comparing yourself against somebody else. It, it, it does no good for you to compare yourself against him and for him to compare himself against you or all down the line comparing ourselves one against another. We need to compare ourselves with the labor of God's word right here. The finest brass, the finest mirror that there is that shows everything, every spot and every blemish, not just on the outside, but the inside, our hearts and our minds and our way of, of thinking, our way of acting and the intents and the reasons that we do what we do. It shows up when we get into God's word. The Bible is spoken of as the mirror of God's word that we look into it and it shows us the things about our lives. And so we need to get into the Word of God. We need to get into, the, into a place where the Lord speaks to our hearts and we see ourselves instead of just looking at everybody else. We find ourselves in, in this Laodicean age and becoming a part of it in our thinking if we're not careful. You say, well, preacher, I don't agree with all the abortion. Oh, amen. Or preacher, I don't, I don't agree with all the, the wicked lifestyles. Well, amen. Or preacher, I don't do this. Well, Amen. 
Or preacher, you know, we're, you know, we're just pretty well separated and we, we just don't, man, we can mark her off the things that we don't do. Amen. But he that knoweth do good and doeth it not to him, it is sin. What do we do? How's our relationship with the Lord? How's all these things that the Lord desires to walk, us to walk with him? In Revelation chapter 3 and verse 14, and it is so familiar talking about the Laodicean age in which we live in, and it affects our lives. It said, unto the angel of the church. Now look at that. It says, unto the angel of the church. Who's the angel of the church there? In the writing of this letter, the angel of the church was the pastor of the church. He was the pastor of the Laodicean church. That this letter was going, this is a literal letter. You'll find when you look at those, at those, those church letters there, they were written to a literal church somewhere. This is the church of Laodicea. And it was written to them. But it is also a, a, a church age, and it represents a church age. And we are living in that church age of Laodicea. Not only are we living in that church age, but we'll find that, the, the, that, that in that church age that many churches and Christians are falling into that trap of the Laodiceans. We'll find many times the, the mixture of the churches scattered through this Laodicean area that we see that we could read about in Revelation. But look at it again. So, unto the angel of the church, the Laodiceans, he's not writing it unto the people who are lost. He's not writing it unto the people who are, are unbelievers. He's not writing it unto those who hate Jesus Christ. He's not writing it unto those who don't believe in God. He's writing it unto the believers in Laodicea, the church. He said, write these things, saith the amen, the faithful, the true, the witness, and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. And he says, I know thy works. Thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou were cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Now, the, 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 the sad part there is, is that we need the hand of God. This church needs the hand of God. Your life needs the hand of God. We don't want to be spewed out of the mouth of God. That is to be rejected of his power and his hand in our lives. We want to be close to him. He said, but because you're neither cold or hot, he said, I'll spew you the out of my mouth. Well, I'll tell you what, that's sad because most churches today and Christians are just about lukewarm. Just about body temperature, just about room temperature. He said, because thou sayest, and this is why, he said, because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. You know, a danger that we have in America. We're complaining about inflation, and it is bad. It's costing us a lot more to buy groceries, costing us a lot more to put gas in a vehicle, costing us a lot more to do the things that we used to do. But you know what? I look around and most of us are still doing what we've always done. We gripe about it. We complain about it. 
But for the most part, and we probably have to cut back on a few things, but for the most part, we don't need God. You know, we're not, most of us aren't in that position, and God's blessed us. I'll say that God has blessed us. We haven't come to a point yet where we say, Lord, I don't know what's for supper. I don't know what I'm going to wear tomorrow. Lord, I need a place to sleep tonight. It's going to rain. Lord, it's getting winter time. I can't heat my home. And we continue on, and we almost have this need of nothing. But the Lord says, Knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. But really what he was talking about in the first part of that was not our goods that we have, though we have put them in that position He said, you have replaced the spiritual life with the material life. And you feel like everything's okay because you have the things that you want to eat. You have a place to sleep. You have shoes on your feet and clothes on your body. And that's really where your thinking is. He said, and you're missing the biggest point, and that is the spiritual man. You think that you're fine because you got all these things. He said, but the most important thing is the spiritual man. Because notice how he described, notice not that thou art wretched. What's that got to do with clothes? What's that got to do with food? And miserable. We entertain ourselves today. America entertains himself continually. And poor. Oh, well, I've got a credit card. And blind, and we really don't see the spiritual need, and naked. And what he's talking about is a spiritual nakedness. Just like the Gadarean demonic that run through the tombs, cutting himself naked. When he got in his right mind and was sitting at the feet of Jesus, he was clothed. If we would be sitting at the feet of Jesus, we wouldn't be spiritually naked. So I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire. I said, preacher, what is the gold tried in the fire? I don't have time to take you to the scripture, but the Bible talks about that his word is tried in the fire. It's purified. It says gold. He said, buy me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich in white raiment. That's talking about purity and, and holiness and righteousness. That thou mayest be clothed and the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint thine eyes with eyes. That's what we might see spiritually. That thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Revival is about drawing nigh to God. That is repentant, coming back to that position where the Lord wants us to be. We must ask ourselves, am I faithful in my walk with the Lord? Am am my heart tender and fervent for the Lord and the things of God? You see, often we find ourselves in a fall going through the routine, 
with no real heart or stirring of the Lord in our lives. You know what? If we're not careful, serving the Lord, going to church, being involved in the ministries and being involved in church can become a drudgery. And we can almost become wore out and, and beat down and, and almost feel like, oh, I'm just burnt out. And boy, I just, you know, I just, can I, can I tell you something? What is needed is for us to get a refreshing drink from God's word, get a refreshing drink, a reviving drink from him. Many times it becomes habit or just a duty by which we live for the Lord instead of honor and moving and a moving desire to see the Lord do great and mighty things. But I tell you what, there needs to be a stirring in our hearts that I want to live for God. I want God to do something. I want, I want to see this world turn back to the Lord. I want to see this nation turn back to the Lord. I want to see my community turn back to the Lord. I want to see my loved ones that's away from God brought back so that it stirs our heart. Boy, I tell you what, it sets a fire. And a fire is not just warm, it's hot. He said, I'll spew you up because you're, because you're lukewarm. He, he said, listen, he said, I would that they were either hot or cold. Hey, listen, we need to build that fire in our hearts again for the things of God. There must be a realization of our real need before we truly seek the Lord. We've got to look at our heart. Yes, we look at our nation. We look at our church. Look at the apathy of most Christianity. Look at the falling away in our day and time. We need the Lord and we need revival. Well, preacher, you said self church do good. Yeah, it is, but praise the Lord, we could get so much closer and see so many, uh, 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 many things the Lord can do. So what we do, we need to prepare a heart to seek the Lord. We first got to be honest, but then we got to prepare the heart to seek the Lord. Hosea chapter 10, verse 12 says, Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy. And uh, I, I, Brother Dice, I think, mentioned this the other night. Uh, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till He come and rain righteousness upon you. Break up that fallow ground. Our hearts become crusty. They become hardened. How's your heart? Is it tender towards the things of God? Or do you have to take the Word of God and it be forced into your heart? Well, if that heart is broke up and tender, you can come along and sow that seed of God's Word in it. And boy, it stirs your heart and it takes root and it brings forth a harvest. But as we get closer to the world many times, it causes that heart, as I spoke of the calluses, causes that heart to get hardened. And it just kind of hits and bounces off. We need to get back to a tender heart. When's the last time that your heart was moved for the Lord and maybe for lost people and for to see God do something that you shed some tears. Preacher, I don't, I, I don't cry. We hit the right nerve, you will. Isn't it amazing that in our daytime they can put on these, these uh, movies and stuff and, and people can sit there and boy, they can cry. <laughs> Over something that's not even true and real. And, just <laughs> and don't get me wrong what I'm going to say here. We can weep over a dog or a cat or an animal that dies. I understand. They're close. 
But do you do that over lost souls? Your neighbor next door that needs Christ or Savior? How about the person that's walking down the street and do you care enough about their soul? What I'm saying is, is that we become hardened. We don't shed the tears. We've got to get that heart softened again. There must be that breaking up of our hard-heartedness. We must examine our heart and our life and be honest to ourselves and to the Lord. You find many times that there's ingratitude for the things of God and the blessings of God. We'll find a lack of love for the Lord and is your love for other things more than that for the Lord? How about neglect in your Bible reading and neglect in prayer? Unbelief of God's Word and promises? Lack of love for the souls of men, worldly mindedness, pride, envy? Maybe a critical spirit? A lack of seriousness? Maybe lying, bad temper, robbing God? We could go on, couldn't we? And we need to get on our face and confess it to the Lord and ask for forgiveness. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 and 24 says, Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way first to reconcile to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. Um, I read about a, a, I think it was in 1902. People had gathered together to have revival. They thought a revival was coming. Boy, they prayed for it. They asked the Lord to move. I believe it was in Korea. I may be wrong about where it was. And they was asking the Lord, and they had prayed and gathered together and was seeking the Lord for this revival, and they just felt like God was going to do something. And each night the services ended out, good services, but just the same old way. And they were heartbroken because they didn't see what they was expecting the God to do. And some of them began to weep and cry and beg God, Why? We've been praying. We've been seeking. And a leader in the church, very well-known man, a man that everybody looked up to and respected, broke down and he stood up and he said, I am sorry. He said a few years ago, he said, I was entrusted into the affairs of of a, of a dear friend that had passed away and to his wife's finances and then she passed away and it was left to me to distribute it to the family and, and to do with it that, that which I was, what they wanted done. And he said, I pocketed some of the money. He said, I am going to make it right with them. And I'm making it right with God tonight. And revival broke loose. And God moved in a 
powerful way. You see, even our sins can withhold revival from others sometimes. And oh, how we must get honest with God and get honest with ourselves. Sometimes there's been people who who just literally they 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 hold grudges and and they won't uh, they won't let them go and it's it, it siphons the life out of a revival it siphons the life out of out of God's hand sometimes in the church don't let a problem or hard hard feelings between you and someone else rob you and the church of revival do what you can to make it right and then seek the lord we need to seek the lord in prayer for revival in faith believing Look there in our text in, in, in Jeremiah 29, verses 12 through 14. Again, it says, Then shall ye call upon me, and she, ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And also again, it says, And ye shall seek me, and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. He says, And I will be found of you, saith the Lord. This was a promise to Israel. But the promises of Israel such as this are promises to every child of God. God's people throughout all ages. So we must call upon Him with, from a sincere heart. It's not just a magic words, but it's with a heart that seeking the Lord. You can get down and you can pray words. And just let them roll off your tongue and they can sound so good and so eloquent and but my friend, if they don't come from your heart, they mean absolutely nothing. We must get our heart involved. He said, you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. I believe that we'll see revival when our people, when we seek the Lord with our heart, not just prayer, not just having a meeting and calling it revival. But when we as God's people will seek him with all our heart, we'll see revival. Seek him in faith believing. We struggle many times because of our faith is weak, and yet we can pray if we're sincere as the, as the father prayed for his son to be healed by Jesus. You say, preacher, I, 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 I know God can send, send us revival, but boy, you just don't, I, just, I haven't seen one. I've never been in one, and maybe you may say, and, and I just, boy, I just, I just don't know whether he will. Pray like the father prayed. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, but help thou mine unbelief. Because the Lord knows our weak flesh. We can pray in faith believing concerning anything which is according to the will of God. Revival in our hearts and the church and this land would be the will of God. So we're not praying for something amiss. We're not praying for something to make us be, uh, 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 high and mighty. But we're praying for, the, for the God's will to be done. Pray in and through the Spirit of God also. Many times we're without words of how we should pray. Yet we know the Lord desires for us to seek Him. That's why the Holy Spirit of God will pray in our stead. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 26 and 27 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. It goes on and explains what it's talking about. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. 
And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is of the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. See, preacher, I don't quite understand that. We should ask the Holy Spirit of God, Holy Spirit, would you show me how I should pray? What I should pray for? Would you help me with that? And that which I do not know, would you reveal it unto the Father and reveal it unto me that I might pray and that you might intercede for me? The Bible tells us not to grieve the Holy Spirit. Why? Because we're to seek Him to lead us and to guide us. One of the best things you can do, I've said this before, is take a piece of paper and put, I will, at the top of it, go down to the bottom of it and sign your name and lay it down and say, Lord, you fill it in. Tell you what's a scary thing when you get real honest with God and say, Lord, would you show me, Holy Spirit, would you show me And if you're honest with God and you're honest with the Holy Spirit and you really want God to show you, He will. Well, there's been a few times that I've done that and I'm like, whoa, whoa, I forgot about that. And like, really? I didn't realize that. Oh, my. So we should seek the leadership of the Holy Spirit. The prayer that we pray as we pray for revival needs to be a prevailing prayer. James 5.16 says, Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. And he goes on, he says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It's a fervent prayer. There becomes a brokenness in our hearts for the Lord to answer our Prayer, not for our selfish desires, but that the Lord would be glorified. When the heart breaks and when the heart is in a position, God, show me, do what you want. David, as he had sinned and, and committed adultery with Bathsheba and, and had Uriah the Hittite killed, as you, saw, you find him there in Psalm 51 as he's praying unto the Lord, he seeks the Lord and he, he, he admits his wickedness and he talks about his, his, his futile uh, uh, life and how that he is nothing, but he gets down there, he says, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Create in me a clean heart. And renew a right spirit within me. Lord, I know what I am and I know my failings and I know I fail you. Lord, I don't want to, but boy, the old flesh is weak. Lord, would you restore me? Would you create in me a clean heart? One that is without spot and blemish again. And Lord, would you renew a right spirit within me? That closeness with you. But it came from a heart that was broken. My friend, when we get to that place like David did, we will see revival. Prayer always precedes 
revival. Our desire for souls to be saved should be for the reputation and the glory of God, not just so we can say souls got saved. Our desire for the wayward Christian to return unto the Lord is not that, that our burden is lifted because of our feelings for them, but that the reputation and testimony of the Lord, that He's glorified. Prevailing prayer is specific, it's not general. You don't just go in with your sins and just say, Oh Lord, forgive me all my sins. Boom, like a shotgun. No, it's like taking that 308. Looking down that side, looking down that scope and pinpointing a specific spot that you need to hit before you pull the trigger. Being specific in our prayer. Prevailing prayer is a continual fervent prayer. It's not just hit the altar, pray, and then go and forget about it. But it's continual. It's fervent. There's a burning in your heart for God to do something in your life and the lives of others. Well, could I get to covenant with me tonight to seek the Lord for revival? The need is great in our day and hour. We can all agree on that. Boy, we can see great and mighty things if we'll have revival here in our hearts and lives. Then shall thou call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me. And I will hearken unto you, and ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. He said, and I will be found of you, saith the Lord. On the back bulletin board today, I placed two schedules for prayer. For the revival, for our nation. One of the schedules on one side there, and you'll see it, it's, it's kind of a darker filled in squares, gray cast on it. It's one for fasting and praying. And you can pick a, a particular meal to fast. You can fast several meals if you want on a particular day or all the days down through there. Whatever the Lord would lay on your heart. And that's through the week of, of uh, October the 24th through the 28th. That's the week we start on the, on the 30th. Actually, we'll have a youth meeting on the 29th. Be praying for that. But it's that week, Monday through Friday, that I set that up so that hoping that we'll have people fasting and praying every day. And then the other one is a 24-hour period broke down into 30-minute increments. Hoping that we can get people to pray in those slots, Monday through Friday, that we'll always have somebody that week praying 24 hours a day. You don't have, I put, you can put your initials or you can just put an X there so that somebody, if, and, and you can double up on some of the same places. 
but I covenant with you that we might pray for real revival. We're in a mess in this country. And the only hope is for God's people to have revival. Satan will fight you. Your flesh will fight you. But the Spirit of God will help you. It takes commitment. If you're not serious about it, I'm going to just tell you right up front, if you're not serious about it and you're just going to put it on there so that you can say you put it on there, you're not going to do it, don't do that. Don't do that. Some may say, I can't fast any meals. Okay, put, find a slot on the other one that we're going to pray. If you want to do both, do both. But I guess what I'm saying is we need to look at the seriousness of the day in which we live. If we really want revival. We can have revival or we can just have a good meeting. We need revival. We need to go that next step. God's blessing, God's working, we're seeing some great things. But we need to take the next step. If we don't take the next step, here's what's going to happen. We're going to begin to go back down spiritually. The church will begin to get comfortable. You've got to continually press towards the mark of Jesus Christ. Let's bow. Father, I thank you for loving us. Lord, help us to commit our hearts to you. Lord, may you have your willingness invitation. I don't know how to give the invitation. Whatever you would desire, Lord, in the hearts of people. Lord, just do work. We thank you for your love and your mercy. Lord, help us to look at this and really decide in our hearts, do I really want revival or not? It doesn't come without cost. It doesn't come without sacrifice. It doesn't come without honesty. It doesn't come without looking in the mirror of God's Word. It sure won't come unless our hearts are broken with a desire for you to do great and mighty things. Have your will and way, I pray in Jesus' name.